The Daily Rios for June 11th, 2013. Timeline Tuesday. What killed the dinosaurs? The Ice Age! The anniversaries, the special events, the birthdays, the issue releases. Timeline Tuesday is a look at the important dates in the comics industry for the month of June. Obviously not all the various dates, but the ones that are interesting to me that I want to share with the listeners. I'll start off with 10 years ago for the month of June, and then go 25 years ago, 50 years ago. Sometimes I even get to 75 years ago, although nothing stood out for me for this month. And then I'll go through other June dates at the end, and that's usually where I cover non-anniversary releases or birthdays, etc. Now, before we start with this episode, I now have 12 timeline episodes covering a full year. We started in July last year. We ended with this episode for June, meaning that after this episode, I won't necessarily go over the other stuff anymore. I'll continue to spotlight the anniversaries, the 10, 25, 50, 75 year anniversaries, but I doubt I'll get to add much more to the other section. I mean, I might run across new information and new birthdays and new dates and things like that to add to a general list But I have a plan for Timeline Tuesday, should it continue, either in podcast or website form, after this episode. Uh, I'm sure I talked about what that plan is in a past episode, but from here on out, I I really don't want to promise something just in case it gets changed along the way. So just know that Timeline Tuesday uh, will have some kind of, will go through some kind of morphing thing uh, for uh, the remain, after this, after this episode. So let's get to June, and we'll worry about the future in the future. So 10 years ago, June of 2003, what was going on? How about Birds of Prey 56, the first issue that Gail Simone would jump on. Gail Simone on uh, writing chores, Ed Bennis as artist. Gail Simone would write up to issue 108. A second volume would start after that first volume had ended, I forget, after 108 it went, you know, for a number more issues, and then a second volume would start, and Gail Simone and Ed Bennis would continue, would jump on for the first four issues, Gail Simone would write 13 out of 15 issues, and um, in this first volume, Ed Bennis did about 10 consecutive issues, and then he would he would only do a few more random issues. After that, we had artists such as Joe Bennett and Paolo Sequiera, uh, and then, of course, Nicola Scott and others. This is the series, when Gail Simone got on it, that really cemented this book for me. I, I read a bit of it before this. Certainly all the one-shots and miniseries that introduced the concept uh, even before the series began. Um, but for Gail Simone, she took Black Canary and Oracle and then eventually put in Huntress and Lady Blackhawk uh, and would go on to create uh, a few other standout characters, Black Alice, Misfit, a new female spy smasher. What Gail Simone did really well with this series is that she kept it light. She kept it about the relationship between these characters and the friendship on top of the missions. Uh, something that Chuck Dixon, in his initial concept and run, didn't... He did somewhat, especially in those first early issues, those first 25 issues, but mostly it was about the missions and 
um, Gail Simone managed to really wrap something else around it. And I, th I think it's an important book. I think in, you know, years from now, we'll look back at this series and, and say, you know, this was really an important book. I mean, heck, we already are. Here it is, 2003, 2013, still talking about it. There's a Birds of Prey series. Now, um, in terms of female-driven books, uh, female-character-driven dri books, the Birds of Prey, fairly important. From Marvel 10 years ago, June of 2003, and that's when these books actually came out. These aren't cover dates. We had, because of the success of Origin, we got Born, number one of four, by Garth Ennis and Derek Robertson. This is the origin of the Punisher, but not the skull-wearing Punisher that we know because of the death of his family, right? This miniseries recounts the events in Vietnam that led to a different Frank Castle than the one that entered the war. In essence, saying that the Punisher was created in Vietnam long before the Punisher was created when his family had died, and his family was murdered, I should say. So I've never read it, but it, it was an intriguing concept at the time, and Marvel was really big on those, those titles, right? Origin, Born... Uh, they did a few more, few other ones, too, where it, it was just sort of like a, a one-word concept. Back at DC, we had Empire Zero of Six. Mark Wade and Barry Kitson bring Empire from Guerrilla Comics, which only put out two issues, to DC Comics, which would finish out the series. Those first two issues were collected in this Zero issue, and then the series would go on for six more uh, issues after this. This is the series, it was, it was about uh, a world where the villain had won and had created his own empire. This is the series I point to when people reference Mark Wade's work at Boom Studios, specifically Irredeemable and Incorruptible. This idea of the bad guys winning, or the spin on what it means to be a hero, or what it means to be a villain, right? For Wade, you can really trace those Boom Studios stories all the way back to this series called Empire. And, uh, of course, the Barry Kitson artwork was, was quite nice to behold. From ABC, we had Terra Obscura, number one. Terra Obscura is a spinoff on the Tom Strong series, and it is an alternate version of Tom Strong, uh, led by the character named Tom Strange and his team of science heroes known as Smash. A lot of the other characters in this concept were public domain characters, characters that were owned by Nidor, um, who actually put out a title called America's Best Comics, and uh, because there was just no copyright renewed on the pro on that on those creations, they lapsed into public domain, and Alan Moore swooped them into Tom Strong and Terra Obscura. So that miniseries came out ten years ago today. Um, with this next one from 10 years ago, I can answer a tweet from Longbox Reviews host Eric where he said if I, he asked on Twitter if I read uh, Matt Wagner's Trinity, Superman, Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, Trinity, the three-issue miniseries. I said I don't believe I answered him, but the answer is no, I have not. And the first issue actually came out 10 years ago, so that's an interesting little uh, connection there, a little synchronicity there. Also, 10 years ago, Lobo Unbound, number one of six, Keith Giffen... Alex Horley on art, eventually featuring Ambush Bug. We had the Outsiders series, uh, the first issue of that, spinning out of Graduation Day, Judd Winnick and Tom Rainey. 
This was the group led by Nightwing, and the group that would, you know, that's a series that eventually led into Infinite Crisis and one year later, etc. And then from Vertigo, Losers number one, which would last for 32 issues, Andy Diggle, Jock, that's the series that the movie The Losers was eventually uh, based on. So we move to 25 years ago, June of 1988. We start with a biggie, Excalibur number one, spinning out of the Excalibur one-shot that I just picked up out of a dollar issue bin about a month back. Chris Claremont, Alan Davis, 125 issues. The Uncanny X-Cast podcast in their retro reviews did a number of of reviews on these early Excalibur issues, and I don't know how far they got, and I don't think they're still continuing with them, but they did a look at them. I've never read Excalibur, and when I was playing along with their retro reviews and listening, it really did make me say, I kind of want to read this, and then eventually, like I said, I found that one shot, which I've never read, which is scandalous, and, uh, you know, someday I'll sit down and read that, and who knows, maybe that'll entice me to read more Excalibur. Also, 25 years ago, In 1988, the first issue of the five-issue miniseries of Hawk and Dove was released. This is by Barbara and Carl Kessel, with art by Rob Liefeld. Now, this isn't his earliest work, but it is the first continuous series that he was on. And eventually, he would jump to New Mutants, and the rest is history. Now, uh, this is not the first appearance of Hawk, but it is the first appearance of the female Dove, Dawn Granger, and also the villain known as Kestrel, and all of these concepts in play all the way up through DC's New 52 when Rob Liefeld did Hawk and Dove again. Next up, after appearing the month or so before in Amazing Spider-Man Annual 22, Speedball Issue 1 appears on the stands 25 years ago, and it runs for 10 issues. This is by Tom DeFalco, Roger Stern, Steve Ditko, and Steve would also be on art. And eventually Speedball would show up in New Warriors and would be in the Marvel Universe uh, after that. Uh, Speaking of silly concepts and uh, short runs, we had New Guardians number one from DC 25 years ago. Spinning out of the events of Millennium, this would last 12 issues. It was mostly by Steve Englehart and Joe Statton. And that first issue, uh, Mark Farmer on inks. And these are the characters, as I said, that spun out of Millennium. They were supposed to be the chosen that would push the DC Universe into the next millennia. And then you realize by the end of the series, oh, no, they aren't really the chosen. The chosen are these freaked out, mutated creatures, and they're supposed to be the new Guardians, and it was all kind of silly. So, uh, yeah. Back at Marvel, we had Exterminators number one of the four-issue miniseries. That would start the Inferno event. This was by Louise Simonson and John Bogdanov, featuring the characters of Artie, Leech, Wizkid, Skids, Boom Boom, Richter, Rusty Collins, and probably some more. I have this collection. I have the Inferno collection. I can't remember if Exterminators is in that. I borrowed it from uh, Matt, uh, one of my co-hosts over at CGS, years ago. And I always I read a couple issues, and then I stopped. And then I went and read even more issues, from the beginning and stopped again. And I know Inferno is a love of many people who got into X-Men at that time. Um, I, it's a struggle for me. I, I, it really is. I want to read it just so I can say I've read it, and it is a chore to get through for me. So maybe someday I will finish that. Also from Marvel, The Mutant Misadventures of Cloak and Dagger Number 1, written by Terry Austin. Uh, this was a series that uh, started after Strange Tales had ended, 
in the mid 80s and we got this series where dagger is blind and it would last for 19 issues and lastly 25 years ago from dc starman number one which would last 45 issues this is the will payton starman series by roger stern and tom lyle one of those 80s series that took a long-running dc concept and totally ignored everything that came before kind of and may wrapped a new idea around it and eventually, by the end of this series, things would spin right back into uh, the Starman legacy as we would come to know it. In fact, in some of those later issues, in two of those later issues, um, the son of the original Golden Age Starman would make an appearance, but it's not Jack Knight. Even before James Robinson started the series, Starman with Jack Knight, uh, we actually saw that legacy starting to build in two of these issues in uh, the Will Payton run, so it's kind of been an interesting nod. And then, of course, if you've read James Robinson's Starman run, he does eventually address and morph Will Payton into it in an interesting way. So that first issue, 25 years ago. And then finally, 50 years ago, June of 1963, Amazing Spider-Man number four, featuring the first appearance of Sandman, William Baker, Flint Marco, created by Stan Lee and Steve Ditko, probably one of the best things about the third Spider-Man movie for me was the uh, was bringing Sandman to life on the screen. Also, 50 years ago, the first appearance of the Super Scroll in Fantastic Four 18, and finally, from DC, another biggie, Justice League of America 21, featuring the first team-up of the JLA and the JSA in a story called Crisis on Earth 1. And although the JSA appeared uh, in April of that year in Flash of 137, uh, mostly it was a Flash, a Golden Age and Silver Age Flash story, but we did see the JSA in that. This JLA issue, issue 21, is the start of the whole JLA-JSA crossover stuff. Obviously, with the title being Crisis on Earth 1, it started the whole crisis concept for DC. And in this issue and the next issue, they would go up against the crime champions. So, 50 years ago, an important story for DC. And to wrap up this episode, we'll go through a bunch of birthdays and some other things that I have on a separate list uh, such as we have June 2nd, 1940, the Spirit Sections, eight-page comic strips by Will Eisner, run in newspapers around the nation until 1952. June 6, 1941, Neil Adams was born. June 26 uh, of 1949 or 19, you know, excuse me, 1950, Tom DeFalco is born. June 28, 1951, Don Rosa is born. June of 1954, a U.S. Senate committee chaired by Senator Estes Kefovar concludes its hearings on the effects of comics on juvenile delinquency. This investigation led directly to the institution of the Comics Code. And basically, that's all the Frederick Wortham stuff. June of 1955, Paul Kupperberg was born. June 27th of 1959, Jan Jurgens was born. June 30th of 1961, James Christopher Owsley, or Christopher Priest, was born. We have June 1982, The Incredible Hulk TV Show ends its four-year run on CBS. The Batman Returns movie opens June 19, 1992. 
The Mask, based on the Dark Horse characters, uh, op the movie opens July 29th, 1994. And finally, June 20th, 1997, Batman and Robin, the movie, opens everywhere. Woohoo! <laughs> uh, and now you know why I played that clip at the beginning of the episode. All right, so that's it for Timeline Tuesday for June, and that's it for today's episode. You can reach me at peter at com. I will see you tomorrow for New Comics Wednesday.